Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thanks for tuning into the 35th episode on June 8th, 2021. Let's talk about a very unique plant that has leaves that look like pearls. That's right, it's string of pearls today. Not only can you listen to the podcast, you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And go check out the blog posts that are associated with all these podcasts as well. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure you're commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to this podcast, my blog, and social media posts. You can also help support your favorite podcasts and blog by joining me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. And if you just can't get enough, I send out a bi-monthly newsletter on the first of every other month, also with exclusive content and some updates on what's been happening in the previous months. All right, let's dive in. This episode is sponsored by Southside Plants based out of Texas, so thank you very much. Let's dive into this lovely 35th episode all about the string of pearls. I wanted to get back into the plant bios because I haven't done it in a few episodes and I have gotten a couple requests about this plant, so I thought I'd start here. So string of pearls really only have a couple different varieties. It's mostly just labeled as string of pearls in the store, but either you have the green one or you have a variegated one. The botanical name is two different things, and based on all of my research, it wasn't a reclassified plant or anything. From what I can tell, it's just commonly called two different botanical names. So it's Curio Rolianus or Senecio Rolianus. So I've seen it in multiple different names in my different books and online. But I didn't even know the botanical name before I started doing the research because it's most commonly and almost always called string of pearls. You might see it abbreviated as SOP. Sometimes it's called string of beads or bead plant, but around here at least, I haven't seen it called that very often. So string of pearls SOP is probably what you're gonna see it as. So far, there's only the white variegated and then obviously that green one, but who knows, maybe someone will come up with a pink one. I want dibs on that for sure. I do own a regular green one and a variegated one. I had been on a mission this summer to get a variegated one and I finally found one and my friend went and bought it from, I think it's called Q Ideas maybe in Chicago. So that's where I got that one. So that's a little bit background on the different names of String of Pearls. Obviously not a huge amount of information there because there's really not. So let's move on to sun requirements. So these guys like bright indirect light which is best, but they actually can handle a little bit of direct sunlight, only a couple hours preferred. So if you have a south window that is shaded or blocked by another house or a tree for part of the day, like my south windows are, it's actually a really good spot for it and they do really well. I currently have my, well, both of mine sitting in south windows right now. I have one that's more on the east side of the house and that one gets a little bit more sun for a little bit longer. And then I have the other one in one of my terrariums. I'm just testing out to see how it does in there. In another south window that's a little farther west and that one's a little bit more blocked by the tree, but they're both doing very well. And they get the filtered morning light, a few hours of direct sunlight until maybe about two and then it's just bright and direct light the rest of the day. Pretty simple, right? This is going to be a much shorter podcast because there's not a ton of information, but I did get a lot of good questions later on, so we'll go over those for sure. 
So water requirements are pretty simple as well. String of pearls are considered succulents, so they really need minimal water and allowing most of the soil to dry out is best. You will actually notice that the pearls will look very shriveled and kind of collapsed in on themselves, which really means that the plant's thirsty. So that's a good indication of when they need to be watered. It is in my experience, better to allow the plant to do that and let the leaves shrivel than overwatering it because I have killed one overwatering it and it's not coming back. So underwatering them and even if you see the leaves start to shrivel a little bit, the leaves, the pearls, whatever they're called, that's okay because they'll bounce back in the next day after you water it. I actually have an example of what they'll look like on my blog post if you want to see what that looks like because as I was taking pictures of my string of pearls my green one needed to be watered so <laughs> there's a good picture of what it looks like on there. In regards to humidity string of pearls are succulent so they do not need added humidity at all. I have mine in my little mini greenhouse because I'm going to see if I can get the actual string of pearls to grow a little bit faster with the added humidity, but it's really not necessary and in nature they thrive in really dry, arid environments. So that's what makes it easier for me. Mine doesn't get misted, doesn't sit near a humidifier, my green one. So, and it's doing really well. My variegated one is the one that I have in the greenhouse only because it's super tiny and it can fit in there really well. The moment it starts getting too big, I'm going to take it out and I won't be adding that humidity. So in regards to humidity, you don't need it. Okay, we're going to jump into fertilizer and propagation next. So, I say this every time and I say that every time. The fertilizer is totally based on what you really want to do and what you're comfortable with. Many people like to use organic fertilizers. Other people don't really care and that's okay. Do what you want to. I currently use the Espoma Indoor Liquid Plant Food and I fertilize about every two weeks I'm probably lacking at the moment, but around every two weeks when I water my plants and I start doing that at the end of February and I really go through October. And in the winter, I honestly might fertilize one more time, like in January, December, but I only use about half or three-fourths of the recommended amount of fertilizer because I would much rather under-fertilize than over-fertilize any of my plants, whether they're house plants or landscape plants, but it's better to under-fertilize house plants. So I did have a couple of sources that said two different things for fertilizing. And again, it's totally up to you. Many resources have said many different things and they're, none of them are wrong. It's just a matter of what you want to do, what time you have put into it. I've also heard people that don't even fertilize and their plants are totally fine. So it's totally up to you. But the Complete Houseplant Survival Manual says, from spring through fall, feed every two weeks with a balanced liquid fertilizer mixed at half the normal strength. In winter, feed every six weeks. So that's what they said. And I had another book called Practical Cactus and Succulent Book that says apply a half-strength liquid fertilizer once a year in late spring. So you can see there is a wide array of different ways to fertilize, but neither of them are wrong. So it's totally up to you. There are a ton of different products out there. You don't necessarily need to use Espoma. That's, I've always liked that brand from working in the garden center, but there are a lot of other great ones out there too. I know I really like Fox Farm as well. They're an organic brand as well. So totally up to you, but just throwing that out there just in case you're questioning what you should be doing for fertilizing. Those are a couple different ways. Okay, let's move on to propagation. This one is fun. I actually have never propagated one because I am a cheap person and I always buy plants when they're pretty small, usually, unless it's worth it to me. My biggest purchase was a banana plant, but that's beside the point. These kind of plants that I know grow super fast 
I buy super tiny and then I like to watch them grow out. So I've never been able to propagate it because the stems aren't long enough. So there are really, there's one way to propagate it, but you can use that way of propagating in about three different ways. So the best way to do it is stem cutting. You basically just cut the stem at whatever length you want. Obviously, you want to make it long enough so it makes sense. So I would say like if you can around five or six inches long and you could do it three ways. One, you can simply lay down the stem at the top of the soil and then you cover up the stem with a little bit of soil. You leave the pearls sticking out a little bit and the new roots will actually form where the pearl and the stem meet. So you'll have new points of kind of like new tiny plants all throughout the soil at the top. This allows for a really thick propagation and eventually you'll have new stems sticking out of all those different points. This is also really good if you want to do like rejuvenation for your string of pearls. For example, if you had one hanging and the top of the plant is completely bare, but the actual stems are growing really long and you want that top to be full again, you could do it like that and just lay down a stem of string of pearls at the top and then it would make it full again. So that's one of the ways with the stem cutting. And the other two ways are basically the same but different medium. So you can also cut that stem and then you'll pull off some of the pearls at the base of it. And where you pulled off the pearls, you'll stick that directly into a potting mix and keep it evenly moist for a fair amount of time until it starts growing roots. And that stem will start growing more stems off of it and off of the new root system that it established in the soil. If you have like really long stems and you want to propagate them and you want the length right away, that is when you should use this method. The other thing, instead of using soil, you can put them in water. Same thing, just take off the pearls as you would in this, the regular soil propagation and place the, I guess, lack of a better term, bare stems in the water. And those points where the pearls were, roots will form off those points. And then eventually when the roots are large enough, you can replant them into soil and then bam, you're good to go. So that is propagation. All right, let's dive into some other facts and then we'll go into the Instagram Q&A where you all asked your different questions about string of pearls. Okay, so string of pearls are part of the Asteraceae family, which is the Aster family, which I found kind of crazy. I didn't realize they were part of the Aster family because they're a succulent. I didn't think that was possible, but they are. Their native habitat is actually Southern Africa. And when they grow in their native habitat, they grow in between rocks and other plants, creating a really thick ground cover once it hits the soil. Kind of like it does when you're trying to root it at, on the soil um, as a stem cutting. The Healing Power plant says they adapted to minimize water loss while maximizing photosynthesis. And that's why they have that really succulent pearl-shaped leaf. It can grab sunlight from every direction. And the pearls are pretty big for how small the plant is, so it absorbs all of that water in there and it maximizes water storage. So in your house, these guys can grow at least three feet long or more. It really depends on the conditions you have it. I actually have a picture of one, actually two of them, from a greenhouse here in Milwaukee called Kellner's Greenhouse. They had some really, really cool mature plants not just these, but in the picture, they had two giant string of pearls, and I think one was about five feet long. So obviously, the greenhouse is really hot and humid in there, really bright indirect light. So that is why it got so long, but 
They can grow up to three feet, if not longer, depending on your environment that you have them in. And those strings of pearls will float downward. So placing them either on a shelf or a plant stand is really going to be best. That way they're not catching dog hair and dirt off the ground. And they make a really big impact that way. So these guys also do flower. They, You may see a white, almost tubular looking flower on the stems in the right conditions. It doesn't happen all the time to everyone, but I have seen it happen more than once. So it might happen to you. When I say tubular, I mean like kind of the base of the flower that's attached to the stem is tubular. But when it opens up, it it almost looks like an aster flower, like a little mini white aster flower. So it's pretty, 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 pretty. <laughs> In the picture I included of the Kellner's string of pearls, there's little white like dots all over it and it's actually flowering in the picture. So if you want to look at that, go for it. And one other side note is that these are toxic to pets and humans. So just watch out for that and be careful. And I did do a podcast episode, the 31st one, that did talk about toxicity of plants. So I have a podcast and a blog corresponding to that that is linked in the blog post as well if you want to learn about more about that. Alrighty, let's get into the Instagram Q&A. You guys did not fail at asking questions this time, which I absolutely love it when you guys do this because then you get more content in the podcast that I don't necessarily think of, but you guys are wondering and I don't necessarily cover the topic or I don't go into a ton of detail. So I love it when I have these questions because then I can get into the nitty gritty of each plant. So in the future, in my stories, in between everything that I'm doing during the day with my stories, sometimes I'll post like, hey, this podcast is coming up, drop your question here. And I'll do it like two or three times leading up to the podcast. So there's multiple times for you to ask the questions. But if you're aware of the next podcast that's coming up, feel free to just private message me a question you might have, and I will answer it in the upcoming podcast for that episode. So my first question was, how come my pearls are small? So there's really not one answer for this. It could be a few different things. So on my green string of pearls, and actually I have the picture right next to it in the blog, the ones that are on the stems that are really growing out are kind of small. The funny thing is it's going to like a bright south window. So obviously lighting is not the reason, but it could be a reason for you. If you don't have it in a bright indirect window, that could be a thing for you and a reason for you. Another reason is lack of watering. So this could potentially be my problem. I am known for underwatering my houseplants. That is why I kill houseplants every once in a while. (laughs) So it could be, since I'm not watering it as much, it's not getting as much nutrients as it needs on a weekly basis or whatever. So that could be a possibility. Speaking of nutrients, it could be a lack of fertilizer. I doubt it, but it could. (laughs) Throwing it out there just in case you're not applying any fertilizer at all ever, maybe try if none of these other things apply to you. The last thing, which I think is my main problem, and I think most people's problem is maturity. So I bought mine last year and it really only covered the top of a four inch pot. And now it's finally draping, but it's still really, really young. So I just think it needs time to grow and gain basically larger pearls over time. Here's the weird thing is that my variegated string of pearls has really big pearls at the top and the base of it as well, almost the same size as the green string of pearls top and base. So I'm almost thinking that maybe because 
the pearls are closer to the root system, closer to the nutrients, closer to the water, closer to everything up there. That's why those are bigger. And as they grow down, they're not getting as much water, not getting as much nutrients as the ones that are right next to the root system. So I also think that's a part of it, but hopefully that answers the question. I really can't answer the question directly, so there's multiple different things. Lack of sun, lack of water, lack of fertilizer, and maturity. Okay, next question. When propagating string of pearls cuttings, how many cuttings do you recommend putting in the pot, and how would you arrange them? Would you stick them all in the center or curl the strands around in circles? So... This question is really based on what you prefer. Well, what you prefer and what you can do with your parent plant. So if you have a parent plant that is like five feet long, then you have stems of the yin-yang to cut back and put however you want to. You could make multiple plants out of that. But if you have a younger plant and you don't want to chop it all off and you just want to try a few cuttings, it depends on if you want thickness or length right away, I think. So if you want length right away, you're going to stick the cuttings in soil or water and propagate them that way. If you want thickness over time, I would say you want to lay the stems in that kind of circular pattern at the top of the soil and allow the different rooted points to grow those new plants. Hopefully that makes sense. It's up to you, but it depends if you want a thick plant or you want a long plant faster. Okay, the next one is if you trim them, does it help promote more branching? I think this is applicable to a ton of different houseplants and landscape plants, honestly, too. So trimming up almost any houseplant, but even string of pearls really allows the plant's energy to focus on thickening up the foliage. I'm not sure, and I couldn't find the answer on whether or not you will get, for example, two branches out of one if you cut it on that one spot. And I've never tried it because I've just wanted my string of pearls to get a little bit longer. So I am not 100% sure on what the outcome is if you trim that one branch, if it will branch into two. So I'm guessing what it will do is it will just help thicken up the plant overall. It'll help the energy focus on the parts of the plant that are more bare that don't have the pearls, that kind of thing. I do know I had another cactus that just had one really long strand and I it's a I don't know what kind it is it's a big long name I believe it starts with R but I cut it in one spot and it did branch two but I don't know if that applies to every plant I would assume it does just like it does with like fiddly fig and stuff like that but I can't say for certain but I do know either way it's gonna help thickening the foliage up okay the next one is what are the benefits and drawbacks there's a very broad question I feel like I could apply to almost every houseplant podcast that I do. And I like this question because in general, in my opinion, houseplants have no drawbacks. But of course there are. <laughs> so the benefits themselves are, I feel like it energizes me. It gives me more responsibility. It gives me something to do. gives me a hobby. Obviously, hello, the podcast came out of it for me. And it just gives me a topic of conversation for people that say, why do you have so many houseplants? So I think houseplants are great. Obviously, they help your health as well, producing oxygens, getting rid of toxins in the air. You know, having a few houseplants will definitely do it, but having, you know, 180 definitely, definitely will help. So 
There's a lot of benefits to houseplants. The drawbacks really to houseplants in general are what I find a benefit. So the added responsibility, the extra time and focus you have to put in them, really learning about them. If you don't really have a passion for it or you don't really like them, then sometimes that might not be a benefit for you. That could be a drawback. So it really depends on your lifestyle, what you consider a benefit and a drawback. A drawback to string of pearls or benefit to string of pearls is I guess a benefit is they're actually really easy to me at least I've never had a problem with them besides killing it that one time by overwatering but now I've kind of gotten to the point where I underwater everything and I had that original one planted in a non-draining pot which I knew for a succulent that was just waiting to be dead so <laughs> I think a benefit is that they're pretty easy the ironic thing is that I have a book called Houseplants, A Guide to Choosing and Caring for Indoor Plants by Lisa Steinkoff. Kopf, I think. Eldred, Lisa Eldred Steinkoff. That's what it is. And it says the string of pearls is on the challenging end, but I'm guessing this is because I would prefer that you keep them dry rather than overwatering. But this is a succulent that needs more water than a normal succulent. So that might be why it's on the challenging side. If you notice the leaves are shriveling up, water it. So to me, that was always my indication to water it. Granted, I know you're not supposed to let it get that far, but for someone that's learning or has a ton of houseplants and needs some kind of indication, that helps. So I believe the benefit of String of Pearls is it's easy. Not for everyone, but for me it is. The drawback is that even though it's a succulent, it needs more water maybe. I honestly don't know. <laughs> I guess maybe if you don't have a shelf or somewhere to hang the plant off, that could be a drawback. But I have a hard time coming up with drawbacks. There's a couple difficult houseplants out there that I would say have more drawbacks than string of pearls, but it could be either like lack of space, lack of space to let them hang, or the fact that even though it's a succulent, it needs slightly more water than a normal succulent. So that was a lot of talk. Oh, hopefully that answers your question. The next question I got is, after you root an aerial root, should you cut the stems to have two pieces? So this confused me at first and then I thought about it more. String of pearls doesn't have aerial roots, but I'm guessing you mean like roots that are forming off the stem in general, which is not necessarily an aerial root in this case. Not to, When I think aerial roots, I think of a monstera where they're like giant roots that are literally grasping for anything they can get towards. And this one doesn't really have those roots that stick up in the air outside of soil. So that confused me at first, but then I thought about it and I got it. So I'm thinking maybe this is a question more about propagation. And when the stem cutting, for example, is laid in the soil and roots form in each of those places the pearl meets the stem, maybe the intention of the question is asking, do you have to cut in between those different spaces the roots are forming where the pearl meet, meets that stem maybe and in that case if that's the question then that's really up to you this kind of relates back to my other question saying if you want a really thick plant over time keep all of those rooted spots from that same stem in the soil if you just wanted fast rooting to happen and you're okay with having a bunch of small plants you just want to get them rooted and once you notice there are roots on those different spots, then you can separate them if you really wanted to. And you can cut in between the stems and get a bunch of different small plants. So it's more up to you. It's not going to hurt it if you do it, but also up to you. And I might say also that not every single 
area on the stem where the pearl was is going to produce roots, there might be some that fail and you don't know that. So that's why the whole stem is in there hoping that they'll all take, but maybe only half of them take. That way you still have a good set of areas that is taking well. That was a lot of takes. <laughs> okay, those are the Instagram questions and answers. I really want to encourage people to keep doing that. These are super fun. Obviously, questions that I don't think of or that are just super specific that I don't go over. And I really want to get into those questions with you guys. And it really allows you guys to be interactive with the podcast more than just listening to facts getting listed, which is also helpful, obviously, and why you guys like the podcast. But still, I want to encourage you guys to go on Instagram, follow me, and then watch my story to see when I drop those questions in there. Thank you for listening to episode 35 of Houseplant Homebody, all about the string of pearls. Don't forget to check out the blog post that corresponds with this podcast. If you go to houseplant-homebody.com and go to the blog tab, you'll find it there. Also, there are links to Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC on my website. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure you're doing all the commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast, my blog, and social media posts. I love to hear from all of you and what you've learned through your own experience or through this podcast. And you can also help support your favorite podcast and blog by joining me on Patreon for early access to podcasts, exclusive content, and exclusive podcasts. So your support means everything to me and I am very excited to keep bringing you plant bios and information. And don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for more podcasts and corresponding blog posts. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Hello, me again. So few things, if you didn't notice in my intro and outro have changed. I am now sending out my newsletter email blast bi-monthly rather than monthly. Honestly, it's easier, one. But two, I felt like every month I didn't have enough good information for you. And I felt like if I did it every other month, I would have a lot more to give to you. And it would be something to look forward to. And it would be one less email you would get. So I changed it to be sent bi-monthly rather than monthly. Typically, what the newsletter includes is, you know, based on the season or the holiday that's going on, tips and tricks or just topics to talk about there, what you missed the last, in this case now, two months. So what blogs and podcasts have come out, if there have been any events for Husband Homebody that have been happening, and a sneak peek of what is actually coming out the next two months. So that alone is worth subscribing to the newsletter simply because then you know what to look forward to. If you're looking for a new, new houseplant and you want to buy one, then you can go get that houseplant because the podcast with all the info is coming out. So go subscribe to the newsletter. It's a great way to see some exclusive content that you're not really going to see on social media or on Patreon. So check that out. I also, as of June 2021, only send out those newsletter emails. I don't really send out any other emails right now. Even if you subscribe, you don't get a welcome email or anything like that. I just don't want to clutter up your email because I know I hate it when I get 10 million emails about everything and I'm not about that life. So as of right now, June 2021, I'm not doing that. I do know that if you're on my website and you want to leave a comment or you want to like a blog post, it requires you to create an account. And this basically just allows you to actually comment and like the post, which is great. I highly recommend it. I love to see everyone else's responses, questions, or even stories that they have about their plants on there. 
in that case, if you do subscribe, every time a blog is released, you do get an email about it. So that I didn't control. It just happened, which is totally fine to me at least because then I can see when those blogs are out and I can get that information right away. And it does get released for the episodes the same day as the actual podcast gets released. And then if I do anything extra, you'll know about it. Of course, you'll know about it on social media too, but still. Those are really the only two things you'll get emails from me about is the newsletter. And then if you actually subscribed to the website and to comment and like the blog post. So just so you know, just want to give you a heads up there. Other than that, I've been buying a ton of plants this spring and early summer, so I'm backing off buying a little bit, and then I'm going to look at more progression throughout my social media accounts and how it's happening, and I've, since it's spring and summer, we've gotten into landscape plants a bit, so obviously I have that one podcast, another one will come out in about a month or so, so yeah, it's all good. The one thing I really want to do a podcast on soon, and I don't think I'm going to get the chance to right now, is an orchid podcast because mine are not reblooming yet. But you know what? I'm hopeful. I have a feeling it's just my fault. I see buds, but I don't know what's going on. So that's that update. Other than that, I think I'm going to back away from buying so many plants and I'm going to talk about the plants that I have, clean them up, organize them, give a little love to them. So that's what's happening in my life. Hope you guys are doing good. Go like, comment, message me, tell me how you're doing. Let me know how your plants are doing. I love to hear about it. I actually have a, a friend now on Instagram that I made. She's in Nova Scotia. And I was talking to her on Instagram the other day, just talking to her about plant selection and her environment and everything. It was so cool. I love it when you guys do that. So highly recommend just chatting with me. Okay. All right. I will talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.